to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Laura Scappatici, your host. What would the world look like in 2030 if what lives within you becomes a reality? And what will you do to make that happen? In this second interview with Andrea de la Cruz from the youth section at the Gertianum in Dornoch, Switzerland, we review the results of her research and find out more about the interviews she did with youth from all across the world, looking at that exact question. We're so lucky to have Andrea with us twice this year in the United States. She's coming over for Questions of Courage, the North American Youth Conference happening in early August in Spring Valley, New York. Please note the location change as you might hear me say Halifax throughout this interview. She'll also be with us in Atlanta, Georgia, October 11th through the 13th for Facing Each Other, Freedom, Responsibility, and Love, the Anthroposophical Society in America's annual conference. Hope to see you there. Hi, Andrea. Hello. Hi. <laughs> we are together. This is our second time together. I'm so glad you're joining us again. Yes, me too. I'm super excited again. Less nervous, yeah. but super excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be a little nervous, right? <laughs> That's right. You get all the energy and excitement in. Exactly. So um, last time we talked, and people can go back and check out the podcast um, interview we did I think it was last October, on the spiritual striving of youth and the research that you were doing. And now the results from the research are available. So we're going to dive into that today. So um, I don't know where you want to start, but um, I just want to tell people that you're sitting in the youth section at the Gertianum in the office, and there's yes. beautiful, all these beautiful books behind you. Yes. And I'm over here in California, and yet we're together. So amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really wonderful, actually. It's, it's an example of how uh, this technology is amazing that we're able to have these wonderful conversations and feel so close, even though we're so far away. So I'm very, very happy about this. Thank you so much. Yeah, where to start? I mean, um, yeah, it has been exactly about three, four months since we spoke, and we have been very busy with this beautiful project. And maybe as a recap, I can... Just uh, just mentioned that this was a project that began in 2017 um, with an interest in really coming together with uh, young people from all over the world, aged 18 to 35, to, to ask a beautiful question that actually was um, um, inspired by another question that Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, asked the youth of 1924. And where um, he asked the young people of his time about what they expected or longed for in the future, uh, we thought that this was a really great sort of starting point to, to create this very, let's say, intimate or human encounters with, with the youth of today uh, by asking kind of like this question in a reformulated way. And, and so we, we were asking what would the world look like in 2030 if what lives within you becomes a reality and what will you do to make that happen? That was the big question that we were kind of using as our uh, platform or window through which to look at the reality of, of young people today. And I remember that, you know, I just interviewed Nathaniel Williams and he brought up this question and he said there's fire in it. And I thought that that was great. Like, there's just a lot in it. And then you broke it into three questions when you interviewed people, right? That's right, to make it more accessible and to, to enable people to, to really go 
through a process of self-discovery and also, yeah, uh, more of a journey, I, I guess. Uh, we, we broke it into these very <laughs> three imaginative questions, I think. One was to, to ask them, if you could give a gift to the world, what would this be? If you search within you and you look for a gift, what could you give the world or what would you like to give the world? Uh, perhaps it's a gift that you don't yet possess, but that you will in the future. And then we uh, would take them from their, their answer into a question about in the future, let's say 2030, uh, if that gift would be there with all of us, with humanity, with the planet, then what changes could you imagine taking place? And, and then they would lead us into this, this imaginative world uh, based on the application of this gift that they give. And then uh, finally, we would bring them back to the present and, and ask them, what do you think is necessary to happen today in order for that future to come about? So this was all within like two hour long interviews and a, a beautiful way to connect with people and really listen to, to their stories and, and try to understand what young people are experiencing today, but actually something that could easily be done with anybody from any, any generation, I think. Yeah, I was just thinking that it'd be so interesting to ask people more my age, just sort of in this middle stage of life, and then people that have had this reflection looking back too, like um, yeah. what, what, I don't know, there's, there's something in that too. So, so you interviewed how many people, and I know they were from all over the world, right? Yes. So in total, we, we collected 40 interviews. It wasn't just me interviewing, other, other young researchers were involved as well. So we interviewed 40 people from 23 different nationalities or countries. So very varied and yeah, uh, a, a nice sample because actually we had, like I say, people from all over the world, but also quite a lot of diversity in terms of cultural backgrounds. For example, we had uh, about 50% of the young people weren't, had not, were new to anthroposophy, had come to it recently, and about 30% of them had never heard of anthroposophy before, or, yeah, or the School of Spiritual Science, Waldorf Pedagogy. I mean, maybe they would have heard that somewhere, but they were definitely not connected directly to, to it. And then uh, around another, yeah, yeah 20, 30% of people were people who had grown with anthroposophy, you know, so like Waldorf children or uh, daughters and sons of uh, medical doctors, uh, anthroposophical medical, medical doctors. So we had this variety within uh, the research in, in the connection to anthroposophy, which was also very nice to, to experience. I didn't realize you had that diversity in terms of who was connected to anthroposophy and who wasn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So start to tell us. What did you discover? What were some of the things that emerged from this research? Uh, yeah, actually, since, since we last spoke, we were actually engaged, I think, in, in the first moments of analysis. So what we did was to spread in front of us the discourse of about 60% of the young people that took, took part. So we were looking more or less 20, 25 interviews in particular, and we just began to look at what was similar in all the different young people. And, and that, that's as far as we wanted to get to start with, because it was very important for us that before we started comparing and contrasting, that we could, we could gain kind of like um, a real 
almost like, as if they would inspire us, yeah, inspire us with with the content that later we could contrast. So we were searching for what are young people speaking about when they when they speak about themselves and about their experiences so far. And we found out that most of them, most of the interviews speak uh, about their reality in, in, let's say, five themes. Themes like family and, and their origins. Uh, actually, origins is a better way to describe uh, what they talked about because they talked much more than about their family, also about their cultural heritage, their ancestry, the place where they are born, even the geography and nature of where they are born as something very, very important to their identity. Um, then they also talked about, of course, the struggle and challenge of vocation and profession. So that which I feel is my mission in life and uh, what I actually do for an income or to sustain my, my physical reality, you know, so to have a roof over my head and to have food on the table and so on. And of course, without even uh, being asked to talk about this theme they, they, or this topic, they talked a lot about education and what education has meant um, for them in their lives. But actually, interestingly enough, not only what their experience of education was about, but also how they, as young adults today, view the educational models that they can uh, see you know, in, in our societies and and they were extremely critical about this, but maybe I can t uh, tell you a little bit more about that. And then, of course, um, spirituality was a topic that came up, and we were very surprised by this because uh, even though we were very interested, of course, in the spiritual striving of youth, we didn't expect that uh, interviewees, without us asking them, would so quickly and readily speak of spiritual experiences or experiences, say, um, with different uh, spiritual practices like uh, meditations, mind mindfulness, uh, but also uh, say substance use, uh, psychedelics, and, um, and other avenues in which they have been exploring this, let's say, region of spirituality and religion. And this is also very connected with the kind of final main theme that we, we saw appearing in these discourses, which was the theme of relationships. And, and this is kind of like the, I would say where, you know, when, when I described it in a presentation that we did back in December was relationships for these, for these young people that took part in this study is where everything is at. You know, if you could condense um, reality for them is all centered around relationships that form out of questions, common questions, common happenings, accompanying each other in this journey of life. So a very extremely social um, group of young people who are really searching for ways to truly connect with each other. And these are the kind of the five areas that we, that we were able to kind of start getting glimpses um, about. And, and, and what we say in this publication that is just about to come out is that in a way, it's like the identity of the young, these young people is kind of building in all of these experiences, in all these movements between this interplay of these um, themes or areas of life. No? So, so now we have some insights into what those experiences are and, and we compare and contrast and, and try to search what each individual 
uh, participant has decided to take with them or leave behind from those experiences. And we're building this, this really nice picture of, of youth today in, in this way. Right, that's great. Thank you for going through those themes. I mean, I, I also think it's really interesting that spirituality showed up so clearly um, and spoken, not just like sort of underlying things. It was just said and talked about. Yes. Um, that's really incredible. Do you, do you recall what context that was mentioned? Like, was it mentioned in the question about, was it the gift or mm. was it what the world would look like or what, you know, or what they're going to do? You know, or was it in all of those things? Actually, um, it, it's even, it, to me, it's even uh, more interesting because spirituality came in um, even earlier, in, earlier on in the interview. So I don't know if you will recall that before we asked those three main questions, we would give them a space to just present themselves and introduce their journey so far until the present moment. And it was then that they were mentioning their experiences with his spirituality. So actually that can give us like a sense or begin to, to discern how um, spiritual aspects actually for these young people are very elementary. You know, they, if, you, if you imagine, I'm, I'm asking you, tell me a bit about yourself. And suddenly in that, say, 15, 20, half an hour present, minute presentation that you do, um, then... The, very quickly you mentioned spirituality and spiritual experiences and that means that these have made an impact in you so so it's interesting how how it's such a big part of of the life and the reality of, of young people I think when will we be able to get that report <laughs> so actually yes it's, this is a very important question so yesterday we finished editing so um, currently, all the material is with the, our dear designer, Mayumi, who lives in Brazil and is also a young person, person connected to the youth section. And she's making it visual, actually, because what we didn't want to do was to simply produce a paper. Of course, it's in, in many ways, it's, it's of, a, of an academic uh, nature. So the first part of this publication is kind of a bit of a walk through all the methodologies that we've used, where did they come from, in what context they are used and so on before presenting the results because it was very important for us to to be able to walk the reader through the process that we have done and and so to to give them the lenses no through which we have been looking at all of this content so we asked my dear mayumi to to make it all a bit visual so it actually is um it's a bit more accessible as well for the people who might otherwise disengage no so graphs and, uh, or graphics and, and so on to support the reading, it was important to us. But I think once Mayumi is finished in about two weeks, uh, there will be um, a notification sent to everyone that follows the youth section newsletter or that is subscribed and you will be able to get it online. If you want it printed, then you have to request it and we can get it to you as well. So, so I believe that say no later than the end of March. You should be okay. ready. Wow, that's coming yeah. very soon. Okay, so when we get that, what are the other trends we're going to see? So you said this relationships was paramount through the lives and through the research. Um, and what, yeah. So maybe a little more on that. And then, and then anything else you want to share about the research with us? Yeah, I think... Um, I th think what I could say, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to just read you little bits of what young people said, because uh, actually a big element of the, um, 
of the what we wanted for the publication apart from it being uh, um, you know a, a publication of, a, of an academic nature and so on was to really give voice through it to the young people that came and gave us um, such um, important testimonies so um, um, so yeah so a lot of the a lot of what you will be able to read when you get it is what young people actually said about these things. So in a way, what we are doing is not so much a summary of uh, analysis or interpretation of their discourses, but really what we try to do is kind of guide you as the reader through what they said about uh, such things. And um, yeah, I think in terms of, um, of relationships, why I say such, a, such an important thing is because um, young people are not, these young people were not saying, oh, what I enjoy the most is meeting my friends and spending time with them. What they're essentially saying when they, when they speak about their relationships is that this is what constitutes them. So they see relationships not just as something which is important for them, but that in a way, in the relationship, they find themselves. And I have an example of, of this, which, which I think is, is wonderful. Uh, one girl from, from New Zealand, 22 years old, said at the end of her presentation uh, about herself, she said to me, um, so I'm going to summarize this for you so that you don't have to do it yourself. I was very grateful for this. And then she says, it's the people in my life who have been the most important, unquote. That's it. Just that sentence after one hour talking about herself that she says, it's the people in my life that has been the most important mm -hmm. in, in, in my experience of living. And then she, she continues and she says, I think for some people are the events or some people are the accidents. Some people is terrible events or some people it's moving. But for me, it was the people. Because if I go through my life, when you delete one person from my history, it could have changed the way I am here. So this 22 years old, consciousness that she is here because of others um later on in the in her interview we're able to see to what extent she's working through, from that consciousness in the world the decisions she makes in terms of her career where she spends her time and energy in and and so on mm. and, and that's really powerful really powerful <laughs> yes and maybe just to give you another example of you know a um, kind of maybe contrasting one she's from New Zealand so we are looking at uh, Oceania no? this faraway land down under <laughs> and then we have uh, a male a 30 year old male from different nationalities uh, a mixture of European and South American and so a bit older male and what he's saying is this uh, I'll just quote again he says I am my social relationships the people with whom I am that is to say that I am only in as much as I am with another. If I am not with the other, I don't know who I am. That's his quote. Wow. Yeah. Such a parallel right there. And so two totally different places, two totally different people, yeah. even different gender. And there it is. Yeah. yeah. So when we speak about relationships, it's certainly uh, it's not just about the joy or the important in daily life. It's really 
when when young people look at them these young people look at themselves and their identity how how they have come to be who they are they know there there is already a conscious reflection that those who have been around them and who are around them are directly um, within them actually shaping that i so to say yeah yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of that Steiner exercise where you review your life and you look at all the people and how they've influenced you. And that she said, if you removed any of them, her life would be different. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of awareness. Yeah. And, and, and that you are highlighting and giving them voice is so nice too. Mm. It's not this summary that we get to actually hear this 22 year old wisdom just right there and experience that. Yeah. I actually think that it it would be totally possible to, to publish a book with the, with the interviews, you know, of course edited because there is a lot of content that um, would be difficult to read uh, disconnected discourse and so on. But really there are some gems and pearls in many, many actually in these people's stories that, uh, that we can learn a lot from, you know, Definitely. Yeah. So that was the relationships piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then interestingly, I mean, perhaps I I don't need to say much more about this area, but also another element that arose was this um, awareness of how we live in an era where we have have, uh, stepped out from the trying to accept everyone or trying to make everybody the same, let's say, where, where now relationships should be based on an acceptance of the difference because it's different. So I'm not trying to change you or you change me, who we are, but rather we can be in our, difference, in our differences, one person say, in the same space together. That's the challenge and that's where we are going in terms of relationships. So really, and, and again, this was surprising for me because this person in particular that spoke so vividly about this was a non-anthroposophical young person. Non-anthroposophical is a bit of a funny (laughs) label to give them, no, but I I speak about the non-anthropops, no. (laughs) It wasn't in their family and they didn't go to Waldorf school. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Just just a a young person, you know, in in their own striving, in their own spiritual striving, who, who really is looking in a way, in her interview, at this idea of, um, of the, the, the importance of nurturing, preserving, and meeting between individualities, no? That it is individualities who come together in the same space, uh, and that they do things, things together out of individualities, and that that's the common human thing, our uniquenesses, no? So, wow. so again, this really is, people didn't believe me when I used to say like, what, what these young people are saying is amazing. And, and, and people were like, but is it really this amazing? I'm like, you just have to read them. Just read what they say. It's absolutely powerful. Yeah. Before we got on, we were talking about these encounters that we have sometimes on the street or in Home Depot or the, the handyman comes to the house or I was in the coffee shop yesterday and had this really yes. deep conversation about looking in someone's eyes, showing interest to them and asking just like three questions. And this man I was talking to, he wasn't young, but he, 
he, you know, he had all this, this huge tech set up. And even I was like looking through his like virtual reality glasses and he was showing me this thing he was doing. And I mean, I mean, so much tech in, on this little coffee shop table. Mm-hmm. And then we got to this at the end of the conversation, this like, you know, if you just look in someone's eyes and then you're, you're interested in them and definitely not connected to anthroposophy, you know, it's just, it's just right there for so many people. Yes. Um, and yes. to hear it expressed in this beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because um, uh, it, it really, it really makes me think one, one of the elements that has made me really think uh, in this research was, you know, the, the love with which we looked at these participants, you know, and by love, I mean interest, genuine interest. Like you, you prepare these questions, not because you want to know something specific, but because you're hoping that these are going to create uh, the right plat- platform and space to engage in a conversation that is meaningful for the person who's being interviewed as well as for the interviewer. And, and I found it really striking. I don't know if we spoke about this in the last interview that a lot of uh, the people that were um, responding to this question of the gift, uh, a lot of them wished for or, or wanted to give the world understanding. And one of them says, but understanding with capital U. I think actually this is a, a girl from the US that says, you know, really understanding each other, comprehension, true comprehension. And, and then later I was like, goodness, I don't know if they are wishing for this so often because that's what is being created in the interview experience you know like I feel like in a lot of these encounters we were so deep in trying to really understand where we come from what what is living within us where where are we going uh, towards and who are we that then you know this this gift kind of came not necessarily as a as an individual wish but as a result of the encounter uh, itself i don't know if that makes much sense to me that it's kind of this this question no really can can a phenomenon a, a happening influence so much that a new thing comes out of it in the form of a wish or a longing for the future no yeah i mean that it makes a lot of sense i mean it's You've created a, a moment in time where there's such focus and such interest and such space to yes. express that would lay the soil for a, a you know a wish for what was happening right then to happen all the time. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes so this this search for awareness, comprehension, transparency, knowledge. I mean, this is something that we are gonna have to deal with all of us uh, I think um, in present times and in the future because if if let's say we can begin to or we can begin to say that some young people perhaps it's even an entire generation are really looking for understanding you know they're not sitting back and taking anything but they want to understand by themselves for themselves what is really going on then I think societies have a lot of responsibility. We all have a lot of responsibility to, uh, to be able to provide with the information, information that can be properly grasped and understood. This is going to be a, a big thing, I think. That's what yeah, I Yeah, and the spaces, the spaces to allow yeah. that exploration to happen. I just had this funny picture in my head. I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek, but there's this one thing that this one like species of, you know, 
I don't know, can, I don't know, people can do. And, and you just put your, you just put your two fingers to the side of their head uh-huh. and then you, you see everything they've seen and experienced and you feel it and you know, it's, mm. I think it's called like a, maybe a mind meld or something. So it's this like really fast way. Wow. Yes, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you just touch the person and then you understand, you know? And so we have a lot of work to get to the point where we could just touch each other and, you know, metaphorically just yeah. touch each other and just really grasp what's happening there. So how, I, I know we said we we're going to talk about technology a little bit. Maybe we can talk mm-hmm. about that. And then also this, you know, what, what are they going to do? I, I, I know you, talk, you talked about that a little bit more, you know, when you ask them this future question, now how are they going to make this happen in 2030, this understanding or whatever it is, this gift. Mm-hmm. So maybe, but maybe technology, since I had those virtual reality glasses on yesterday, that yes. was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, technology, uh, I think is, is very interesting because it comes up very, very sporadically, very, very, very few times. It's not a big topic that they wish to expand their um, sort of time of talking about themselves, who they are, the experiences and reality and so on. But when it does come, when it does appear, it's very clear for them, for, for, the, for the interviewees, that it is a tool. That it is a tool and that it uh, requires full attention and uh, consciousness when we use it. I think this is something that I think many of us have said before or have um, um, Sort of heard someone else said in present times, but I think um, I, I think the the awareness of this what what gives what results from this hearing these kind of testimonies that these young people are taking a different or understanding responsibility differently. You know, like there is there are very few uh, interviews that kind of um, place the responsibility of how technology is happening in their wor- in the world. Um, in another person or a company or so on it's about them it's how do they engage uh, with this for example and with in connection to these relationships no like that's the big tool how technology is able to to connect us but there is a very clear uh, element in their discourse which is this cannot replace human encounter you know it, it will never replace what happens when you truly come together and it will never be able to give you that connection, which is the, the, the primary one before you can connect to any other, which is the connection to yourself. This is something that technology cannot provide you with. And so it is, so it's, it's a tool. It's something that we can use to, of course, uh, keep up with the ever-changing, constant changing reality that we live in but it is, it's completely up to each individual how it is used. And for me, this raises a lot of questions, you know, because as a young person myself, you know, and my relationship to technology, I cannot really observe how, yes, I also think in this way, but actually I think that lines are being crossed in how, how technology infiltrates itself in our lives without our permission in some way. So this is going to be a question to what and until when can you say I'm taking full responsibility for for this as an individual? You know, when do we take collective action to kind of start saying, okay, hold on here, maybe technology is good, but here I don't want it. No, 
So I think this will be a question also. Yeah, that's great. And I, I really liked this observation that it, it can help us connect like we're connecting right now, for example, mm -hmm. where we could see each other and talk, but it can't help us connect to ourselves yes. and develop our sense of, yeah. And, and this infiltration and in this interview I just did with Nathaniel, actually, um, Nathaniel Williams, he talks about that quite a bit about how, because we talked about the philosophy of freedom mm -hmm. and how it is a corrosion of freedom in the way it's being used um, as we're supposed to really find within ourselves who we are and, and these like deep parts of ourselves. And when we're being fed things all the time through social media, through all these other things that we use, we, it's harder. It gets the layers upon who we really are. It just builds all these false layers. And, and then you have to do even more work than you already have to do to get to that. Absolutely. Also, because where is our consciousness when we are using this technology is a question, you know? Um, yeah, we had a, a recent meeting in, in Italy, in Oriago, with some uh, young members of the School of Spiritual Science. And this was a big question for us. Where can we observe our, uh, our consciousness, our awareness, um, placing itself when we are in, in say social media you know it's like a there is a tunnel uh, <laughs> kind of experience where suddenly our our thinking our awareness just gets somehow sucked out of us and into this machine and then all of that are impressions and perceptions that we are not uh, consciously grasping so then working through the impact us is much and actually presence was another of the gifts that that young people were were given in this study you know like being fully present taking time and that's connected to relationships and that's connected to the relationship with oneself i think that time and space is are is 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 no it's not optional you know we need to make these things a reality so that's that's one of the things that i would say young people are going to take on as an action for the future make encounters make meaningful encounters be, be committed to oneself and what they have chosen to do and 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 be more conscious in in daily in daily life which is funny you know because we expect oh my big action is going to be to join some uh, ngo in the world and change all these things but actually if my wish and longing is about understanding then i'm committed to being conscious, looking, being aware so that I can really truly make um, or, or arrive at conclusions that make sense to me. I think these are young people who are really looking for sense and meaning uh, and they are, they are committed to that in their daily activities. So that, that's some of the ways that they, when they talked about what they would do is mm -hmm. work on their own understanding and maybe you can say a little bit more. Yes. So, so for example, it's interesting because th there is this progression no, in the questions where you have the, my gift would be, say, understanding. And then how would the world be with more understanding? Wow, it would be incredible. There would be uh, all this energy which is spent, this human energy which is spent in fighting, clashing, because most of the, I'm thinking of one particular individual just now, so maybe it should be more general, but I can give you, this is actually the US girl, no? She says that, you know, all this energy that that is spent in clashing, fighting and so on, which really is only a result of misunderstanding for her, uh, would be released for other kind of work 
in the world. Now, we don't know what kind of world that, uh, work that would be because we are living in the reality of clashing and time being wasted in all of these misunderstandings and so on. But uh, time, sorry, uh, space, time would occur out of that for new things to happen. And then when you, when you bring her back and you say, okay, what are you going to do for that, you know, for that to happen? Then she's, she's not answering, okay, well, I'm going to join a course and I'm going to, she's saying, I'm going to pay attention what I need to, what I need to be doing. I, she says um, in another point in her interview, I'm waiting for the right moment for me to step in. You know, and, and, and she says, this is not a pleasant place to be in, but I am waiting for the right moment to, to step in. So this being aware, being awake is what they are trying to do. I think as I, I'm taking this girl as a representative, no? Mm-hmm. But great. Yeah, another example just in this line would be a, another person who says, what I do every day for that is to sit and listen to humans, but truly listen, you know, like not just jump to my own conclusions, but actually this person's gift was hope, hope that everything will be okay to trust that things will come to be if each of us are ourselves, because authenticity is very important for this young person. No? So then she says that the way to achieve this, uh, this hope and this, this future that we hope will come, this, this trust in the future, this everything is going to be okay, is to, to give time to listen to each other, to understand each other, to come together. So you see these, these uh, actions are very um, concrete, but they are applicable to every kind of moment in a person's day. They're not uh, signing a petition one time and that's it. They require everyday consciousness. They remind me a little bit of the subsidiary exercises, you know, this kind of commitment to be a little bit uh, more conscious every day or more tolerant or... Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. 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 Equanimity Equanimity and attention and and purposeful action. Yeah. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humor is definitely part of it for sure. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> couldn't get by with all. You couldn't really have understanding without <laughs> humor being a part of it. I don't. Think. No, that was one of the great podcasts that you had. No, with you say, <laughs> I, I forgot his name, but he was wonderful. The, Ronald, the jokes. Yes. <laughs> I laughed very hard with the, with the with the light bulbs, of course. Yes, it was very funny. Very funny. funny. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, so I am really looking forward to getting the report and exploring it and really hearing their voices because there's such amazing voices that are coming through. And I think for people just walking around, especially older people, people that aren't young, and maybe all the young people to know that there are people thinking this way and wanting to move in this direction. And I, I, I feel like we can feel it so strongly in all the social justice work that's happening. Um, everywhere especially in the u.s um yes this cry for understanding and change and evolution of the human being um but it'll be so nice to read it there so uh, just quickly you know you talked about these spaces we we sort of mentioned you know this space to have these experiences with listening and understanding and how you created these spaces and that that affects affected people 
and their own wishes. And I'm sure the interviewers, it's affected you all very deeply too, mm -hmm. creating these spaces. So I think there are some spaces coming up that I wanted to mention, and maybe you know of some too. You, can yes. you talk about the gathering you just had? And then we can talk about Halifax and Atlanta and other gatherings that are coming up where young people can, or people of all ages can come together and have this experience of listening and yes. to one another. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, we, we just had this meeting in Oriago in Italy, and this was a part of the International Youth Section Initiative, which is to, um, to go through the 19 class lessons of the School of Spiritual Science given by Steiner. And uh, we meet once a year to, to actually um, go through some of these unbelievably beautiful and important esoteric uh, work. Uh, this was uh, just a week ago, and and we had this. Uh, I think we will publish soon the upcoming uh, yearly meetings for this. This is for people who are more already <laughs> blue card members or members of the, <laughs> of the of the school of spiritual science. But we also have uh, amazing gatherings uh, gatherings planned for for the next six months. The the youth section at the Gothianum has its international students conference uh, here from the here in Dornach from the 23rd of April to the 27th of April, and the theme is courage, which mm -hmm. uh, is is beautiful. It's mainly for young people aged 15 to 18, so people who are finishing high school, and the topic is exactly how to be courageous in our time, which I think ties in perfectly with. Uh, the the youth summer conference in North America, in mm -hmm. Halifax, no that uh, that is coming up, and that I'm very happy to be taking part in. Yes, that's right. So there's two happening in Halifax. We have the Waldorf Alumni World Festival for people of all ages, and um, that's happening concurrently with the North American Youth Conference, which the theme is questions of courage. Yes. Um, yeah. So lots of lots of opportunities to uh, yeah together perhaps i it would be worth mentioning that uh, also for young people who are working in the in the youth section movement around the world there will be a meeting here in in dornach uh, i believe in july beginning of july or end of june beginning of july and that will be a time where um i think we will be discussing and finding out what it is that the youth section um, of the School of Spiritual Science is working on in all the different countries and, and what kind of initiatives are shaping. And actually, this research was an initiative that came from one of those meetings. So you can imagine what kind of things can come up, up from, from these kind of gatherings. I think it's, it's wonderful. Great. And then you are going to keynote at our conference in Atlanta. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, so, yes. the, yeah, the U.S. annual um, conference for the Anthroposophical Society in America. And you'll be keynoting, talking about this research and talking about the, the wishes and the voices of these young people. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. And that's in October, um, so the holiday weekend in October. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because actually we continue researching. It doesn't stop with this first report. So actually by then, uh, what I just said might even be just a tiny, tiny portion of what more we will have. So, um, so I look forward to bringing some new content to that. It will be wonderful. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today again. And um, always a pleasure, Andrea. And I'm really so glad you're doing this work and with such expertise um, in your questioning and your listening and your being present for people. Just I can really feel that just from being with you. So thank you so much. And same goes to you and all the work that you're doing in, in the US. I think in North America is is wonderful how vibrant that community is. And we look forward to having you here in, in Dornach. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. You take care. Um, Thank we'll you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode. Like what you're hearing? Want to support this work? Join the Anthroposophical Society in America at www.anthroposophy, that's A-N-T-H-R-O-P-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot org.